Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League, on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All right, Matt. And by the way, that is Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. It's the uh, the season of lists right now in yeah. around the NFL. We talked about one Monday, which was franchise quarterbacks. It was a fun talk. And uh, which franchises had the best quarterback play in the Super Bowl era? It was an ESPN list. Today, we've got a pro football focus list. This isn't the, a power rankings necessarily. This is just the best rosters, how they were ranked by pro football focus. So we'll probably focus on the top or the bottom, what teams we think were missed on this list by PFF. And before we get to all of that, there is some news. Oh, and by the way, if you would like to get involved in tomorrow's Twitter Thursday episode, tag me at BD Peacock, tag Matt at Williamson NFL. Look for our timelines. You can probably reply to a tweet where we're asking for the questions. But anytime, any day throughout the week, you can always tag us and ask a question. We'll try to get those in and tackle yeah, those. Especially this time of year. Right. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of overflow. If we have too many good questions, we'll we'll get some on some some other shows as well. And actually, I do have some, maybe if we have some time we could get into today, a, a backlog of of those Twitter questions. But I, I want to focus on the news of the day, first of all. There's an ownership change, and we've got to talk about this. I don't think it's really league changing or anything like that. But uh, anytime ownership changes, I think we should talk about it. And the Lions have a new person in charge. And the 94-year-old Lions owner, Martha Firestone Ford, stepping down and now her daughter taking over, Sheila Ford Camp. And she said she will be very hands-on with the Lions as the managing owner of this team. And one of the interesting things she said already is that she won't stand in the way of general manager, head coach, if they decide they want to sign Colin Kaepernick. So she's already on record saying ownership's cool with it. If management hmm. wants to do it, go to town. So Sheila Ford Hamp already making some some headlines in the NFL because you haven't really heard that from any owners yet. You heard it from Roger Goodell, sort of. He didn't mention Kaepernick's name, but Roger Goodell said, you know, they screwed up in 2016, basically. And he represents the all of the owners collectively. But this is an owner saying, I'm good with it. If they want to bring him in, bring him in. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good splash to make as you take over ownership. Um, I'm not sure how much this changes, you know, the day-to-day operations with the Lions. But anything happen, anytime anything happens with ownership, I think we deserve the respect to mention it and at least acknowledge it. I mean, that's what makes the league go round. And it dawned on me as you we were talking, and I watched a really good documentary a year or so ago about the four women owners that are that are still involved in owners on the NFL network about their amazing lives and it was the Lions Bears Chiefs and Steelers you know and I watched it with my my wife and mother-in-law who's 70-ish and they had a blast watching it they didn't care at all about the football side of it so I urge I forget what the name of the program was on NFL network but it was very cool documenting these four women's lives from childhood and hanging out with George Hallis and, you know, the chief Art Rooney and Hank Schramm and people like that all the way up till now. Pretty crazy, but she was one of them. And now um, handing the reins over within the family. It's funny. So uh, Martha Firestone Ford had been in charge of the team since 2014. When William Ford passed away at the age of 88. And I was thinking that's some young blood now uh, that, that could change how a franchise goes. But I mean, I, I don't know how old Sheila Ford Hamp is, but if you're the daughter of a 94 year old, 
woman you're i mean <laughs> right. you know that's young blood in, in ownership circles i Relatively guess speaking, yeah I guess, um but if you, if she's going to be hands-on and martha firestone ford was not as hands-on uh maybe there could be a lot of changes with that lions franchise we had talked earlier with um uh, what, which episode was it? Was it with Mike Sando when just the ineptitude of the Lions franchise and, and how they have not right. been able to win? And and maybe that's what they need, a little shakeup, a little uh, more scrutiny from the top. Maybe. And anytime you see any kind of shakeup, you know, we just saw it in Carolina recently. You immediately got to worry a little bit about the coach's, you know, stability. I mean, and Patricia doesn't have the best resume of, you know, I think his seat was a little warm to begin with. A little more league news, this from the Athletics' Daniel Kaplan reporting that NFL teams will be able to allow their own attendance capacity limits. So it will be up to the counties and the teams, and I'm sure the teams will go to whatever maximum the county allows them to go to as far as having butts in the seats. And at this point, it seems like there's going to be a lot of zero butts in the seats. There was thought that maybe a team like the Cowboys could have 50% capacity. Maybe that'll get walked back when we're seeing another spike in some COVID-19 cases now, but it's up to the team. It's up to the the county by county, state by state ordinances for how these teams will be filled during the fall. Do you have any strong takes on this? I mean, I think it's really noteworthy that some stadiums might have quite a few people in them, might have some might have very few in them. I'll be interested to see like when the, the verdicts come down on that. But I also wonder, and I mean, obviously the teams that put more people in the seats are going to make more money too. I mean, is there going to be some sort of we'll share all the revenue type of deal? I don't know. I mean, it's not, I'm just curious how that'll work. That's an interesting question and a competitive balance. So, you know, let's say the Cowboys can have 50%. They go play a team in their house where there's nobody there. And then you, you know, within the division maybe, and then that team comes to Dallas and there's more butts in the seats. So it's a competitive advantage. It's a right. a dollars advantage, but I'm sure the league wants as many dollars as possible throughout this process. So I don't think they want to keep people out of seats where they could be. So I think it just might be a unique situation where they just have to let it go. And, and whatever happens, happens unless it's like, there's only one team that's maybe like 25% in the league will just be like, yeah, you know what? Nobody, no butts in the seats. I could see that potentially happening. And it's hard because I don't know how different it's going to be in October, November than it is right now in June. Maybe it starts and there's not very many people in the seats. And then maybe we're in a pretty good place by November. And there's a lot of fans in stadiums. So who knows? A couple notes on that is I think this has kind of been the first step of the COVID disaster where it's been a team to team thing as opposed to these are the league rules. Everybody's going to play by the same rules, even camp, things like that, which should be team by team are not. So that's interesting to me. I mean, this is more of depending where you live situation. And then I meant to mention this earlier because we did an interview with Cam Hayward via zoom uh, last week, and he had a really interesting take on playing defense. If there's no crowd noise and immediately you think, Boy, defense is, you know, crowd noise helps the defense so much. You know, I mean, they can't hear the snap counts. And anyone that's been on the field for an NFL game would be blown away with how remarkably loud it is. It's like sitting in the second row of a Metallica concert at times. I mean, the communication is obviously a problem. But one thing Hayward told the media last week was I think we'll have a huge advantage on defense without crowd noise because through the course of the game, we're going to hear every bit of communication between quarterback and all their audibles, all their yeah. signals, you know, you, you have to hear it. You're right next to these people with no noise. He's like, 
there's no way they're going to be able to switch things up constantly through the course of the game. We're going to get a beat on things without doubt. We're going to hear it on TV, I'm sure, right? Because right. that'll be that loud. Too. Like, if you've got the parabolic mics on the sidelines, if those folks are allowed to be around the players, um, that's another interesting angle to all this. Are you going to have all the photographers around, all the, the, the media allowed to be there? Is it just going to be one pool reporter? How many people are even going to be around on the sidelines? But if there's a parabolic mic, we're going to hear everything. We're going to hear the entire call. We're going to hear possibly the huddle. They'll probably have to mute stuff because they don't want everybody hearing it. So that'll be, I mean, it'll just be so strange. Yeah, I mean, and I thought things like, you know, Peyton Manning grabs the young rookie running back and yells at him because he missed his protection. <laughs> yes. Well, if Ray Lewis is on the other sidelines, he's like, now I know the protection. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of things that will be revealed. Okay, a few more notes to get to, Matt. There's another team that has had some COVID-19 cases. And who's got the best roster in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus? One great reason to repair, and maintain your cars yourself is to save money. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% markup for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? And wait while somebody looking at a screen that you can't see orders the parts on the computer for you, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online 20 years. So go to RockAuto.com. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, motor oil, tail lamps. RockAuto.com has a unique catalog, remarkably easy to navigate, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you at RockAuto.com right now. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Matt, you mentioned uh, crowd noise, talking with Cam Hayward. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin was talking with reporters this week, and he mentioned that there was two Steelers players as well that had coronavirus. It didn't make as much news as some of the other players we've heard about in the past because they don't currently have it. They had tested positive and had recovered from it already. But I thought that was another interesting note, just another team where there are some players that have had it, and at some point every team's going to have a player that's either positive or has been positive so we just really have to get used to that and then how it's managed is going to be key here and we'll see if if it's really clear and if it becomes clear that players who get it can't get it again which is the hope right and that they're unaffected when they do get it that they're healthy yeah. and there's no long-term problems and then they also won't get it again I think that'll be a huge key to a lot of this for not only players but just us as a society yeah and I assume this is the norm you know I mean you have a 53 man roster two, three, four of your guys over this course will have had it or presently has it and is recovering from it. I assume we'll hear a lot of coaches saying the same things, but it's just more of the same. I mean, I think it's noteworthy, but I think it's going to be pretty common that we hear these things. Oh, and by the way, baseball is back. How cool is that? Yeah, There's right. going to be a sport starting up with spring training part two. They had already gotten spring training going originally earlier in February 
before everything got shut down. Uh, we're about a week out. July 1st, teams are going to report to camp. They're going to get this thing going. They're going to play a 60-game season. One interesting twist to this, this isn't a baseball podcast, but they're going to be a guinea pig sport. And all of these sports that get going are going to be guinea pigs for how the NFL is able to work. And and you, cro- you have to cross your fingers, even if you're not a baseball fan, that this goes smoothly for Major League Baseball because that'll be a really good sign for the NFL during the fall. But they're going to play a 60-game schedule. I thought it's interesting because they won't travel so much. Basically, they're playing 40 of those 60 games within the division. So only their four division opponents are the only teams they're going to play for a huge chunk of this shortened season. And the rest of the games are going to be against the the opposite league's teams in hmm. their in their um, area. So basically, so the, the National League West will only play the American League West. So they won't play the the East. They won't play any East, any league. Central. Okay. So essentially all cool. of the teams on the West will stay West the entire season because they're going to play, the NL West will play all NS, NL West teams for most of the schedule, and the teams that aren't in their own division that they'll play against are the opposite league's Western teams. So essentially no Western teams will travel East until the playoffs or the World Series or, or whatever happens there with the postseason with baseball. So they're trying to limit the amount of travel, which I thought was an interesting way to break up those 60 games that they decided on rather than just trying to, you know, play around Robin and, and get everybody in a couple games with everybody in the league. Yeah. And I think then the best teams in the division end up getting the postseason then because you beat up on your division foes. I would imagine there's a lot of bus rides in there. You know, I mean, it's not going to be all super long flights. Mm-hmm. And if so they're all short. That's great. Um, personally, you know, I look at this always through an NFL lens, of course. I love that other leagues are going to be guinea pigs first. You know, work out the kinks in your league. We'll learn some things and steal it from you for when the NFL gets rolling. Fantastic. And as a fan's a strong word, but as a Pirates person here in Pittsburgh, usually, trust me, by the end of June, I could care less about a Pirates game. But there was if there was one on right now, I would love to watch a Pirate game. Oh, my gosh. After over 100 days <laughs> right? of no sports at all, if there was a Major League game on right now, a spring training game, uh, I would be enthralled by it. I watched a, right. a seven-minute video of Trevor Bauer throwing to one of his teammates. They were just at a park pitching to each other <laughs> and really? they were mic'd up and it was fun. I was like, Oh, this is cool. They're kind of competing, but kind of just, you know, talking smack to each other, having fun. And I watched the whole thing. I was like, Oh, what is this? And I started watching. It was like, I couldn't turn it off. It was like seven minutes long. It was short, but it was like, Oh, this is cool because it's this competition. It's actual kind of baseball. And I'm a huge baseball fan. Baseball was originally the sport I loved even before I started sure. getting really into the NFL. So um, I'm excited for it. I can't wait for it to be back. And hopefully things go very smooth with that uh, specifically with, health issues around major league baseball. Okay. There are some wide receivers that could be coming back to the league. Some free agents, a couple of which have to be reinstated by the league. Martavis Bryant has applied for reinstatement. Josh Gordon applying for reinstatement. And now report from Mike Silver that the Seahawks and the Baltimore Ravens have some interest in potentially bringing in Antonio Brown what do you think is the likelihood there for those three wide receivers getting another shot and specifically the uh, the Brown to either Seattle or Baltimore rumors the one I think Brown it would be a really good fit with both teams high highly strong organization very strong leadership um I I've been around him a little bit I mean I don't know that he'll ever learn his lesson or you know toe the line 
but I do know I'm sure he can still play even if he's 80% of what we saw last when he was basically the best receiver in the league. So I think he'll get a shot. Both those teams make a ton of sense to me, um, especially Baltimore, and we'll get to their roster here soon, of course. The thing with AB, though, too, is if he is reinstated, he could be facing a, a suspension to start things, and who knows? You know, I mean, that you, you kind of have to know that stuff before you bring him into camp. The other two, I know that they've been troubled, but I often say my son's going to look at Martavis and Josh Gordon and be like, man, did we really suspend these guys for marijuana that many times? You know, right. <laughs> and I know some of it was alcohol, too, but give them another chance. And they both had their issues and, you know, whether or not they deserved to be completely taken away from their job or not is another question. But uh, I would like to see them both get a shot. And two guys that were freaky talented at one point, you were close or I mean, you're close to the Steelers. So you saw a lot of Martavis Bryant, just like you saw a lot of Antonio Brown. And obviously with Antonio Antonio Brown, there's no question about talent. Right. It's unclear where. Bryant and Gordon will be physically and you know it's not as much of a slam dunk that they would come in and be able to contribute but they would also be very cheap veteran minimum type players most likely if they were to sign with the team where was Martavis Bryant at the end in Pittsburgh and maybe in those uh those Raiders days because he was a freak of nature he was a DK Metcalf like you know as far as his ability to be a linear guy that could get down the field a little bit more flexible than DK Metcalf but dynamic player early and then it kind of fell apart quickly and he didn't really pick up any steam in uh, Oakland either yeah and both Gordon and Bryant to me are freaky I mean in certain more than just size speed Gordon is big and powerful and just an aggressive mover but the last couple times I've seen Gordon in NFL um, stadium or you know in pads I thought he lost a little you know I mean I think that he's getting up in age at this point to be honest and hasn't played a lot of football I think he's slipped but, I mean, it was a really high bar. I assume the same would be true for Bryant because he hasn't played in a while either. But this is not me being a Steeler homer. I mean, watching him a lot, I thought, honestly, he was in the top tier at one point in pure athletic ability. Like you mentioned the length, the ability to, you know, just the acceleration for such a big man. And he is less linear than Metcalf, too, like you mentioned, in that they would give him ends around. And usually those long guys are just like a body in motion stays in motion and they're on a track and they can't get that edge and bend the edge. But he could dip that shoulder and turn. I mean, he made that one catch where he caught it like behind his butt in the air, flipping over. Like he did rare things. So I was always, Steelers aside, I was always intrigued with what he could be. And there was always the question about what's going on upstairs with Martavis Bryant, along with, right. you know, the suspensions and other things for marijuana. And he, he seems to have his life on the right track. And Josh Gordon took himself out of the league at one point, And he seems to think he can uh, be reinstated and do some things. We're seeing Alden Smith get another shot with the Cowboys. So uh, it, it would be a good story if some of these guys have a happy ending to their career and, and do have things figured out in their lives. I'm always rooting for that no matter what, without question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's get into this pro football focus list of the best rosters, not the best teams, but the best rosters in the NFL next. A tasty, healthy snack, high in protein, built bar. You know them, you love them, but they're doing something extra special this week. 50% off everything this week. 100% of profits from 8 million bars going to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate 
and racism. Go to BuiltBar.com to learn more about those charities and build your own box at BuiltBar.com. You buy one box of Built Bars, 15% off. Two boxes, 30%. Four more boxes get 50% off. So go to BuiltBar.com, get up to 50% off a box of a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, high protein, low sugar, high fiber, 16 flavors. Build your own box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. You can use promo code Locked on when you're there, up to 50% off at BuiltBar.com. I have a, a minor quibble with number one on this list, Matt, and Pro Football you. Focus has the Baltimore Ravens as their top team in the NFL. I'll just go through the top five really quick, and then we'll talk around it. So uh, Baltimore Ravens are listed as number one. Again, this is not just pure power rankings. This is We're talking about the best rosters in the NFL. They, they ranked them first to 32nd. So Baltimore Ravens are number one. New Orleans Saints, number two. San Francisco 49ers, third. Fourth is the Kansas City Chiefs. And fifth, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the Dallas Cowboys coming in sixth. And focusing just on the top right here, I personally would have the New Orleans Saints. Like, when it just comes to roster, I think I felt this way last year going into the season. I think they have the best roster, top to bottom, just throughout. Just good in every level of offense and defense. Every position group has really good players in it. I'll take... The New Orleans Saints, the argument for the Baltimore Ravens was how ridiculously good their run game was and and how much better than the rest of the league their run game was. Expected points added by the run game, which obviously has a lot to do with their quarterback as well. And Lamar Jackson was, you know, doubly as good as any other rushing quarterback in the NFL and probably more than that. But it's an interesting team. They're a different team, too. But I think just position group by position group, I would take maybe a team or two ahead of them. But obviously, Baltimore, the way they're built, and it's it's hard to argue that they're one of the top teams. And and I can see the argument for them being number one, too. Yeah, we closed up yesterday's show talking you know, over the cap stuff and praising the Ravens as an elite organization. And I totally am on board with that. In fact, I'm kind of leaning them being my Super Bowl champion pick. If, if I was forced to pick right this minute, I might take the birdies, you know, easy schedule this year, things like that factor in, but that's not what this exercise is. I think the Saints and the Niners have the strongest rosters top to bottom. I mean, maybe Jimmy's not as strong as Lamar, and I don't know exactly how much they weight quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, it'd be better. It's better to be, you know, great at quarterback than mm-hmm. it is at left guard. But my worries with the Ravens in terms of just top-to-bottom roster that I don't have with the Niners and especially the Saints is I wish they had a move-the-chains-type receiver, you know, uh, Derek Mason. Yep. I think the interior of their O-line minus Yonda, you know, center coming off a bad injury, is a little worrisome. I mean, their tackles are great, but guard-to-guard is worrisome to me. And I know everyone's excited about Patrick Queen and they drafted these linebackers and that's great. But for right this minute, they're going to struggle. I mean, rookie linebackers don't come in and tear it up. We saw that with Devin White and Devin Bush last year. That's a learning process at that position. Earl Thomas, not the same Earl Thomas, still good, but not that elite level player that he once was. I agree with you. When I looked at this roster, the one thing I would talk about it on offense, like the running game's great. And you add J.K. Dobbins, awesome. But you lost a Hall of Fame caliber guard in Marshall Yonda when he retired tackles are great interior offensive line I don't know if they're going to be better at running the ball this year than they were last year I think there's a chance they could not. be worse even though they got themselves a really good running back and, and you know somewhat of a steal of a running back it's hard to say that for me because I don't think you should draft running backs high but in the second round to get J- 
J.K. Dobbins, who might end up being the best running back in the class, it's a fine pick. I'm okay with it. But yeah, your best, your go-to receiver right now is still what Mark Andrews, and you're hoping for a big jump in year two from Marquise Brown. Behind that, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed. So they're a unique team. And again, not a power ranking. And guys like Patrick Mahomes and uh, and Lamar Jackson count for a lot, but you're just talking about pure roster. I'll take the New Orleans Saints. I mean, there's no position group that has... It's like, that's a bad position group or even an average position. They're all above average position groups on the Saints roster. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, even like before the draft, what's the Saints biggest need? Eh, I don't know. So we'll just take <laughs> right. a right guard, plug him in, make yeah. our strength even stronger, move on from a guy that could start for 20 other teams to guard. We'll be fine. Maybe we'll play center. You know, like that's where they're at in terms of team building. We'll only draft three guys and then take a flyer late in the seventh on a quarterback we kind of like because we just don't have room for them. You know, we're loaded. I mean, uh, I'm looking at the, the article now. They have their projected starters, and we know more than th- 22 people play. But I, I don't know where the weakness is. You know, I mean, guys like Marcus Williams is a really good player. You know, Alex Anzalone might be one of their worst starters on here. Okay, you're of an average linebacker as one of your 22. I mean, it's it's a good group. Absolutely, yeah. Offensive line, I like all five starters. Four, four of five could be among the best in their position in the league. And, and no, not many teams, zero teams can say that in the NFL, I think, aside from maybe the Saints and the Cowboys. Um, obviously, Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the best running backs in the league, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, one of the best receivers in the league. They add... Emmanuel Sanders to that group. I love what they're doing in the secondary. Versatile guys. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, sort of the the young version of Malcolm Jenkins, who they brought in. They've got right. Marcus Williams, underrated free safety in the league. Good corners, Janoris Jenkins, and especially Marshawn Lattimore, who I think could have a better season this year than he had last year. Um, they've got edge guys that I like in Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport. So, I mean, across the board, I mean, linebacker is really the only unit. Demario Davis, though, is elite. And it's almost like, okay, so they have one great linebacker and maybe a couple good ones. I mean, that's the worst thing you could say about their roster. Yeah, I I think they're the team with the fewest weaknesses, and I would put your Niners second on that list. Because I think the, the Ravens have some holes slash questions. I don't want to spend too much time on the Niners because people accuse yeah. us of talking too much about the Niners <laughs> and Steelers. Um, but the, the worst quarterback of these top teams, even though I, I sure. think Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to be a lot better this year. He only played his, you know, he started his first 16 game season last year coming off an ACL. So no ACL to rehab this year has a full year. Finally of snaps under his belt, another year in Shanahan's offense. I think that sort of rising tide raises all ships. The Garoppolo could potentially, as he gets better, make the team a lot better as well. But overall, I think they're not as good as they were last year, just because you're replacing really important players like Emmanuel Sanders and DeForest Buckner with rookies. And, you know, eventually Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk could be awesome players in the league. And that could start to happen in their rookie years, maybe more like years two and three for their careers. But it's going to be hard to replace those pieces right away. So uh, depending on how good Garoppolo plays, how much better he plays is going to dictate how good the 49ers are. But when you look at, again, position groups, wide receivers, the one that I have questions with because it's so young and there's some question marks and now Debo's banged up, but every other position group has a near or true star in it. Yeah, it's a really strong group top to bottom, and they were another one that's hard to identify weaknesses. Kansas City Chiefs, I put them number one if we're doing power rankings, but this isn't power rankings. This is just ranking the roster, I think, three or four Five, six, they're in that range, I think. Um, they're definitely behind the Saints for me, but they're really good, and they've done a really good job of rebuilding that defense in the last two years. 
Yeah, and the offense is obviously elite, and sure, maybe they could use a little interior O-line help. Uh, if that's your biggest problem with the firepower they have, who cares? The defense, to me, is built well considering what they are and as a team. They have big play guys on defense. They may not be super consistent players, but I also look at, you know, Anthony Hitchens and, you know, their linebackers in general. And I know they drafted Willie Gay Jr., but he's all over the place too. Um, and their defensive tackles, beside, defensive line besides Jones and Clark is okay. I mean, if we're ranking them against the best rosters, there's some areas that I don't love. The fifth team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously now with Tom Brady. Rob Gronkowski jumping in there. They added a first-round tackle in Tristan Wirfs. I like what's going on with the development of the offensive line. Two of the best, probably the best tandem of wide receivers right now in the NFL coming into 2020 with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Defensive side of the football has needed some tender love and care the last few years. Some really good young corners there in Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, who could be a secret superstar, I think, for the Bucs. In limited play last year, he had some really good Pro football focus grades. They added a second round safety, Antoine Winfield. They added a running back, which is one of their weaknesses. They had great pass rush from Shaquille Barrett last year. So um, again, a pretty darn good roster throughout, and it's absolutely improving from what we saw. You add a Hall of Fame quarterback in there, and now it's like, okay, Super Bowl contender. I agree. I was a little surprised to see them this high. And then the more I thought about it, if we took quarterback out of the equation, which of course is not realistic, I might put the Bucs over the Chiefs. I mean, they're another team I think is top to bottom. A lot of C pluses are better. I mean, a lot of a lot of Bs are better. You know what I mean? Then some ascending players. You mentioned the corners, Devin White. I still think OJ Howard's good. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, Vita Vea. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I holding mean, like, on to the hope. Of- yeah, DJ Howard or OJ Howard. I'm like, man, it's, I'm still hoping. And I mean, if he doesn't flourish now with Tom Brady, then it's like, okay, yeah, maybe right. it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, but there's a lot of, I like this team a lot. And a lot of it's not even Brady related in terms of just where I project them this year. It's just, I think the the GM there has done a really good job of building things. Some questions on defense for the Dallas Cowboys, but I think I would put the Cowboys ahead of Tampa still though. Because man, uh, I really like just about, there's some potential just about every single position group. Defensive line is, is a weird group for them. They've got a bunch of, um, edge guys that they're hoping, you know, when you have Randy Gregory and Alden Smith and, and you're hoping for some of that, that's sort of a, a weird position. But inside, they've got McCoy and Poe, two, you know, solid veterans that maybe aren't playing at the level they used to. But then Demarcus Lawrence on the other edge, it really helps out that group. I like what's going on at linebacker. Um, secondary is the one that really scares me for the Dallas Cowboys. But offensively, I mean, just a studly group. And I can't wait to see how they try to incorporate C.D. Lamb with Gallup and Cooper and They've already got Zeke Elliott, and you got to pepper in Tony Pollard there at running back and, and that offensive line. So that's going to be a fun group on offense in Dallas. It might be the best offense in the league. It might have been the best offense in the league last year. And you add C.D. Lamb, who's a monster. I a little worry about the, the, the Frederick movement, you know, a, a swapping out the center position. But I think they'll overcome it. Defense is good, but there are questions, you know. I mean, but what if you get a full season? I mean, it's a big asterisk out of – Sean Lee, I mean, he's always hurt. But Jalen Smith, Van Der Esch, their linebacker play wasn't as good last year as it has been the year before. Um, yeah, you said it well. I mean, there's some young guys on defense like a Awuzie. I like Diggs a lot. I thought that was a steal. I think Clinton Dix will be a quality player for them. But, you know, th- there are some questions, but they're going to score a lot of points. I think if I, was, if I was to re-rank just the rosters, I might go Saints, 
And I think that is a clear top six we've talked about. I think there's a nice little gap yeah, there I do too. after that. I think I would go Saints, 49ers, maybe Cowboys third. Really? Yeah. yeah. And then Baltimore, Kansas City, then Tampa Bay six, I think is how I would rank those top six. And I think there is a gap after that. But I'm, there, there's, there's some good arguments for everybody in that group. They are. It's a fun little exercise. Maybe we'll talk about the the bottom feeders a little tomorrow or something. Yeah, we, we don't have much time here, but we do have time later in the week. We'll talk about the bottom of this list and probably some teams won't surprise you. Maybe we can talk about which teams we think, though, could could really outplay expectations from the bottom of the group, just so we're not like, oh, this yeah, team's okay. awful, right? You know, maybe look for some bright side of some of these teams at the bottom uh, of the league roster-wise that they might be able to surprise. Or who knows, if you don't surprise, maybe you get a franchise quarterback next year. Yeah, what if Drew Locker or, <laughs> or Burrow turns into somebody? You know, like oh, yeah. those franchises would be drastically different. Oh, un- yeah, undoubtedly for for a decade at least. Right, right. Cool, that'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get to that. We'll get to your questions on Twitter Thursday tomorrow at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here, Locked on NFL.